We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, if you weren't paying close attention, you may have missed a short but big statement Lamar Jackson made about Rashad Bateman when he met with the media Wednesday. Yeah, and with so many eyes on Todd Munkin's new offense, many didn't catch what number eight said and what it could mean for the Ravens' wide receiver core. Matter of fact, there were also two other news items that flew under the radar as well, but could probably each have a big impact going forward. All of that is going to be addressed in topic one. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, May 26th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault. So the last time we heard from former Ravens safety Tony Jefferson was before last year's 53-man roster cuts when he claimed he'll be a Raven for life. Well, apparently he spoke that into existence. Plus, ESPN's Dan Orlovsky gave his list of the top NFL quarterbacks under the most pressure in 2023. Where does Lamar fall? We have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So, Sarah, when Lamar Jackson met with reporters for the first time since signing his $260 million contract, he was pelted with questions, 24 to be exact. A vast majority of those inquiries were about Todd Munkin's new offense, and just one referenced wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Yeah, and Bobby, not only was there only one question about Bateman, but Lamar's answer was brief. It was only seven seconds long, but it was strong. Take a listen. Oh, it's great to see my guy back out there. Receiver one, for sure. I'm glad to see him back healthy. Um, can't wait to hear on the field. Wide receiver one, for sure. That's what Lamar says about Bateman. You know, that sure sounds to me like a quarterback trying to boost and prop up his first-round receiver who has been struggling to stay on the field since being drafted. As we know, Bateman has missed almost half of his career games. And remember, Bateman sounded off on a tweet that quoted Eric DaCosta, admitting that he hasn't drafted as well as he could at the position. We know that Bate later deleted that tweet when he was blasting EDC in the organization. And then I'm sure Bateman has heard that Lamar Jackson during that entire contract negotiation, that Lamar, his quarterback, asked the front office to go out and see if they could sign OBJ and DeAndre Hopkins 
You know, the Ravens didn't get Hopkins, but they did add OBJ. They got Nelson Aguilar, and they used another first-round pick on Zay Flowers. So you got to imagine Bate could be feeling a certain type of way. Yeah, and we've spent so much time talking about how Patrick Queen felt about the Ravens nabbing third-round inside linebacker Trenton Simpson when he fell to them, right? But if you're in Bateman's shoes, he's facing way more competition than Queen is. PQ's role as a starter isn't in doubt at all. We both agree there. And then EDC even said recently that he's still open to a long-term deal for Patrick. So anyway, meanwhile, three new faces have been added to the wide receiver room, and Bateman had to hear his quarterback, Lamar Jackson, asking for those additions throughout the course of this offseason. Yeah, it is crazy. I actually want to give props to Bateman because he didn't write a sheesh you know, tweet like Queen did. We've all been talking about Queen, but it's really Bateman who's had all these new faces added to his room, which is why I think Lamar is trying to build Bateman up again by calling him wide receiver one. I don't think Lamar ever lost faith in Bateman, even though he asked for those additions, because let's not forget what he told the Lounge podcast, why he requested more receivers. I test Coach Harris, I'm like, um... Is it possible for us to land D Hop and Odell Beckham? <laughs> he was like, um, Lamar, you know we can't we can't make that happen. We can't get both of them. You know we have Rashard Bateman. I'm like, I'm not taking anywhere away, away from Bateman. Like yeah. I love Bateman. Like he a guy, he a number one receiver. But I'm like, we can just be loaded. That's how I'm looking at it. Like a man type game. <laughs> man, you're trying, you're trying to build like, your franchise. I, I like yeah. Lamar, the GM. Like, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm thinking like man, turn like man, we can do anything. We just, I just want to win the Super Bowl. Like yeah. so, yeah. Again, I have to give Bateman props. Ever since he deleted that one tweet and he deleted a couple hours later, he's kept his head down. He's been focusing on rehabbing and he hasn't complained one time about all these new additions. So I hope that if somebody like, I don't know, Odell Beckham Jr. Here's Lamar calling Bateman wide receiver one. I hope OBJ receives it, you know, with some grace because I don't think Lamar is giving a depth chart. When he calls Bateman wide receiver one, I think Lamar is saying Bate can produce like wide receiver one. And to be honest, Bobby, if that's what Bateman does, if he were to produce even more than OBJ, that would be the best case scenario because OBJ is only under contract for one year. Bateman was drafted to be the future of this wide receiver core, and now he's got a partner with Zay Flowers. That's what they were both drafted to do. So let's hope Lamar is right and that Bateman truly is a wide receiver one. If that ends up being the case, the rest is gravy. But let's move on to the second thing that flew under the radar for you, Sarah. And we covered Lamar quite a bit on Thursday's morning vault. We talked about the new offense under Todd Munkin, what it's going to look like. So what did you feel like didn't get as much attention as you, you felt like it deserved? Yeah, so for sure we we covered all that and we should have with Munkin, but it's just this fact, Bobby, that Lamar is smiling again. And listen, I don't want to give the impression that he was totally unhappy last year, but 100%, it just seemed like he had this massive amount of weight that he was bearing on his back. He was dealing with an injury. He was dealing with missing the playoffs. He was dealing with his contract. He was dealing with media rumors, people calling him into question of whether he was supporting his team, which is the last thing that Lamar does. And then he had a deal with trying to be Superman when the Ravens didn't have a great supporting cast in the wide receiver room like there is now. But so much of that has now changed. And on Thursday, 
I tweeted a photo of Lamar Jackson with a big smile on his face from practice. And I wrote the following because I just want to point out how I think the world has just changed for Lamar. I said, Lamar Jackson was unanimous MVP, throwing to who? Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, Smith Roberts, Miles Boykin, and Chris Moore at wide receiver. I'm not naming the tight ends, by the way. Mark Andrews is huge, but I'm just naming the changes at wide receiver. And then I say, he'll be throwing to OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, and Devin Duvernay. And he's healthy. And he negotiated a deal worth $52 million per year, which is the richest in NFL history. Oh, and he did it without an agent the way he wanted. And... He has a new offensive coordinator that has given him the keys to the offense, as he said, and free will. So I put up that, that photo with him saying all that, and it's like, yeah, Lamar, I'd be smiling too. And I just hope everybody is seeing this refreshed, new, happy Lamar Jackson. No, I'm with you all the way. We had the same observations, and not only did Lamar seem to feel more free and less stressed, but didn't you kind of feel like that? from the entire organization, like it's been a pretty brutal off season, a pretty brutal several, several months for everybody. And it almost feels as if that proverbial weight has been lifted off of their shoulders. So anyway, let's hit the third piece of news that fell underneath the cracks. What do you have? Yeah. Okay. So NFL owners, they voted to pass a significant rule change to kickoffs. And under this new rule, kickoffs that are fair caught anywhere behind the 25-yard line so they can catch it at the one-yard line, make a fair catch. That will be brought out to the 25, just as if the kickoff had gone through the end zone. Yeah, I don't think enough people are talking about this one, Sarah. According to NFL reporter Albert Breer, the Ravens, Patriots, Bengals, Bears, and Lions, they all voted against it, and the Raiders abstained. Now, he also added that the proposal, quote, wasn't close to passing on Monday, Roger Goodell lobbied hard for it overnight and flipped a bunch of teams, close quote. Yeah, so Bobby, this one not only will have a major impact on how special teams coaches strategize on kickoffs, but it could have other roster implications too. And I thought the Athletics' Jeff Rebeck did a good job spelling out a potential domino effect from, from this. He says, quote, the new rule may not make kick returns obsolete, but it certainly figures to limit them. It also leads to the question of just how much the new rule could impact Baltimore's roster construction. The Ravens are known for earmarking a handful of spots on the back end of their 53-man roster for their better special teams players who likely wouldn't make the team based on their offensive or defensive roles. That practice may continue, but if you don't have to worry as much about returning and covering kickoffs, you probably don't need to keep as many special teams-only players. Close quote. And still to come here on The Vault, former Raven safety Tony Jefferson. He is returning to the organization in a new non-player role. Stay tuned for all that. All right, Bobby, the last time we heard from safety Tony Jefferson as a member from the Ravens, that was last summer at the podium prior to 53-man roster cuts when he said this. Obviously, you know, I want to be a Raven, but I, I understand the, the technicalities that go with everything and all that. So uh, either way it goes, you know, 
<clears throat> I just was happy I was able to be be back here with, with my family, basically. So, and things don't work out, then, you know, raving for life. I'll tell you what, Sarah, he may have spoken that into existence that day because as we learned Thursday, Jefferson, who's long expressed his interest in one day becoming an NFL general manager, he is retiring from football and rejoining the Ravens as a summer scouting intern as part of the Nunn-Wooten Scouting Fellowship. Yeah, you know, this is just another example of where the Ravens seem to kind of take care of their own, Bobby. It was just last year that former Raven Anthony Levine, he hung it up to become a player personnel assistant in Baltimore's front office. And don't forget, even though he's still in California, Eric Weddle has been doing some scouting for the Ravens too. They really do take care of their people and they couldn't have picked a better dude to take under their wing in Tony. Anyone who follows this guy on Twitter knows how impressive his football acumen is when it comes to evaluating and analysis and in-game tweeting and you name it, reacting quickly and on the fly. I, I just... He's a great Twitter follow. And, hey, he had planned on transitioning to linebacker. We covered this, right, this offseason. But he just hadn't garnered any interest from around the league since he made that decision. So as a guy who turns 32 in January and he has had his fair share of injuries, perhaps the writing was on the wall for TJ. Yeah, while we're on the topic of former Ravens, by the way, before we totally move on from this, I saw Zardaria Smith made some headlines during his media session at the Browns OTAs earlier this week. Oh, yeah. You know, we had to include this one in here. Baltimore's fourth round pick back in 2015 is now a Cleveland Brown. Here he is. Man, it's going to be fun. Um, I know a small situation happened last year where I was supposed to go back, but it didn't work out. Um, but now that I get a chance to face them, man, it's going to be fun. I actually work out with a couple of guys in uh, Orlando, um, Gus, Gus the Bus. I've been telling him, hey, I catch him. I'm going to have to pop him one or two times. But, you know, it's all fun and games because we're still friends, man. And um, just can't wait. See John Harbaugh, see Lamar. It's going to be fun this year. Now, as for what happened with the deal that was supposed to be but never was last year, well, Smith addressed that situation for the first time. I don't know, man. It was something where somebody leaked something and said that I agreed to the deal, but I never did. Um, and a lot of Baltimore Ravens fans are upset about that. So, like when I said, when I get ready to go back, it's going to be pretty fun because a lot of people may be booing and a lot of people may be, you know, happy for me at the same time. So, it's all fun and games at the end of the day, man. So, apparently, dirt off the shoulder for Smith. But, Sarah, if there's one thing about Baltimore I've learned over the years... It's that this fan base, they don't forget. No, they do not forget. So, yeah, even if there was some mixed messaging with the apparent leaked information, I still expect, for one, I expect the booze to be raining down at the bank when Cleveland comes to town November 12th. But more importantly, Cleveland's D-line is about to be a major problem, even more so than it already has been with Smith and Miles Garrett playing opposite one another. Look out. Okay, Sarah, so ESPN's Dan Orlovsky put together a list of his top five quarterbacks that are under the most pressure entering the 2023 season. This is according to Dan's opinions. And at the top of the list was Aaron Rodgers, who just signed with the New York Jets, we know, after considering retirement this offseason. We know the trade fiasco that ensued with the Green Bay Packers. But in that huge media market that is the New York metropolitan area, everybody is expecting him to take the lowly Jets 
and lowly maybe in terms of record, but they that defense has been stellar in recent years. But there are expectations, point being. After Rodgers, here's the following. Again, QBs under the most pressure entering 2023. Number two on his list is Jordan Love. Number three is Justin Fields. Four is Deshaun Watson. And rounding out that list and why we're talking about it is Lamar Jackson. Here's his explanation. This is a little bit of like an or- organizational change. Lamar Jackson, his first five years, won 45 games in the style of offense that they played. Led to an MVP, went to the playoffs four to five years. Now new offensive coordinator Todd Monken. Huge contract to Lamar Jackson. In the first round, two out of the last three seasons, a wide receiver. They add Odell Beckham Jr. They said it was good, but it wasn't good enough. I want to see if Lamar can go and take that next step. You know, Bobby, I think it's ironic that this is the topic we're discussing here because in that first topic I literally just said it looks like the weight of the world has been taken off Lamar's shoulders like I said you can see it in his body language so I don't know I listen all quarterbacks everybody in the NFL is under pressure and I'm fully aware that the media have already set this year up for Lamar is like the no excuses season for him because he's been paid he has a new OC he now has improved weapons but Lamar's always had media pressure. He's built for it. He knows how to brush it off the outside noise. And that's why I actually think that he was under more pressure last year with the contract hanging over his head and the entire organization because, Bobby, that was an internal struggle. There's nothing worse than being conflicted internally. But that's now in the past. We're back to the just the same old, same old external media noise. And Lamar and the organization can carry that load together rather than being pitted against each other. So, yeah, does he have pressure? Sure. For sure he does. He always will be. He's a polarizing figure. But I think as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to shine this season because this pressure, I think, is way less than last year. And before we fly, some other quick news items, beginning with some sad news, unfortunately, regarding Ravens wide receiver James Prochet, who is mourning the loss of his mother. He tweeted this heartfelt message on Thursday. We covered this in the mailbag, but you know what? It, it, it warrants repeat. We're really thinking of James and his family. Here's the tweet, quote, I found new purpose in this life, my love. I don't understand God's plan, but I promise this journey won't be done in vain. Rest easy, mama. I love you. Close quote. Again, love and prayer to James and the entire Prochet family. In other news, new Ravens wide receiver Nelson Aguilar was asked how far he thinks Baltimore's offense can take this year's team. And his answer is courtesy of his interview after practice with Fox 45's Morgan Adsit. As far as we work, (laughs) that's the reality. I mean... You never win anything because you just bring a group of guys together. Guys have to work hard. Guys have to hold each other accountable. And they also have to be, you know, very self-critical too. You know, how much better can you get? And if we all push that way, I think we're going to land somewhere special. And finally, the Athletics' Jeff Zarebeck recently shared some insight into why John Harbaugh is getting back to joint practices this summer. Jeff wrote, quote, I believe it's because he wants guys, particularly in this new offense, to get game-like reps without subjecting them to having to play much in the preseason. Joint practices are the best way to do it, where you can control many of the variables. Close quote. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. 
So if you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com forward slash Raven's Vault podcast. As you know, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll help us keep turning out daily Ravens content for years to come. And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons this month, Stephen Dents and Jason Zarotniak. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. We'd also love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd ever be interested in advertising. In the meantime, you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that's all for today, but be sure to check out our monthly mailbag episode for May. It's number 282 in the archives.